Business, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Camaragal people and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from freshwater to saltwater. Yura Damarang, hello, I'm your host, Lawana Grant, and welcome to NITV Radio for this Wednesday, the 12th of July. Coming up in the program today, a conversation with Jazz Money, a Wiradjuri poet and artist whose creative and cultural practice encompasses installation, performance, film, and text-based works. Jazz Money's work is featured in the 2023 Yalingwa exhibition, Between Waves. Also coming up on the show today, we air part two of Living Black's interview with Christine Arnu as we hear the story of a journey to stardom. And NITV Radio's Bertrand Tungandami chats to Isaiah Firebrace, whose book has been nominated for the Karajia Awards. All these stories and more coming to you after the latest news. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy erected outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. In this bulletin, Sydney Water commits to safeguarding ancient Aboriginal rock cavings. Traditional owners in Darwin continue to fight to protect Lee Point. And Australia and the European Union failed to reach a free trade agreement. A new report from the Institute of Health and Welfare has found First Nations people die around 9 to 10 years earlier than the general population. It suggests the life expectancy of Indigenous men is over 71 years and over 75 years for women. But over the past 50 years, the life expectancy for the general population has increased to over 81 years for males and over 85 years for females. Institute spokesman Richard Jukes explains. The overall story is, uh, is a great one, we're doing well, but this isn't evenly shared across um, all groups of Australians. There are differences in life expectancy uh, for First Nations Australians, for people living in rural and remote areas have lower average life expectancy, um, and it's uh, related to socioeconomic status and a whole lot of other factors. Sydney Water has committed to safeguarding ancient Aboriginal rock carvings when it carries out upgrades at its Bondi Resource Recovery Plant. The carvings are about 2,000 years old and thought to be the first known depiction of a shark attack. Sydney Water has announced a multi-million dollar upgrade to its treatment nearby facility and some of the work will run directly below the carvings. Ewan Mann and environmental scientist Felix Salmon says he's excited to be able to help protect First Nations cultural assets. Even if we're just laying a pipe in a green field, we're still having an impact on the environment. So sometimes I do get a little bit of an internal conflict with 
the impact that we might be having, but I still would rather me do it as an Aboriginal person because I know that I'm going to do everything that I can to reduce that and look after the local mob's sacred sites. Traditional owners in Darwin say they will continue to fight to protect a parcel of land known as Lee Point on the city's fringes. The land is being cleared to make way for defence housing, but Federal Housing Minister Tanya Plibersek agreed on Friday to put a halt on the clearing until July 17 as she weighs up Lee Point's cultural and environmental significance. Traditional owners oppose the development because of the land's cultural significance and unique wildlife. Eleven protesters were arrested last week, including Larrakia Woman and protest organiser Millie Ma May. Ms May says traditional owners are determined to stop the development. We're going to stay until the bulldozers stop or until there's nothing left. And we have been here, this movement has been happening for quite a few years now, but it's really picked up in the last week. Tanya Plibersek had originally... Um, said that she wouldn't develop at Lee Point and then she went back on her word. A parliamentary economics committee will today hear from two of Australia's biggest banks. NAB and ANZ bosses will face questions particularly surrounding interest rates and scams. They will be followed by executives of Westpac and the Commonwealth Bank on Thursday. Committee Chair Daniel Molino said the two-day hearing was a timely opportunity to put the spotlight on the four banks, which control 80% of Australian market. Nationals leader David Littleproud said the Reserve Bank is simply responding to the government's failing economic management, but was highly critical of the response by the four banks. Now, with the banks and not passing on these uh, these deposit rates, it just goes to show they've lost their moral compass. I mean, they go out there and try and buy social licence by supporting the voice and all these types of things, but behind it all, these are greedy, mean organisations that are out there just trying to do everyone over. Treasurer Jim Chalmers says the government's budget surplus has proven there is no need to choose between responsible economic management and compassion. In a speech in Melbourne on Tuesday night, Treasurer Jim Chalmers hinted at the potential of further cost of living relief. The budget surplus for 22-23 is about $20 billion, well above the $4.2 billion forecast just about two months ago. Evan Lucas from Invest Market is less optimistic about further cost of living relief. He told Channel 9 he predicts only around $5 billion of that surplus will be given back to the population. Can some form of relief come about? They've got the capacity. There's no doubt about that. It could come through, particularly with ways they're doing in energy and using their energy relief. But at the same time, the question will come back on them. Doing that stimulates inflation. inflation so yeah. that's their issue that they're facing. Australia and the European Union have failed to agree on a planned free trade deal. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has said any deal would need to give Australian farmers goods, especially beef and sheep meat, and more access to the bloc. Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill echoed this sentiment to Channel 7. Trade deals are not trophies. It's only good for the country if it's good for the country. And Don Farrell is over there pushing to get every skerrick of benefit for Australians and to support the development of Australian jobs. We are only going to sign a free trade deal that gives us great benefits to the country and particularly to our Aussie farmers. And they are pushing and pushing on that at the moment. And we are going to continue to uh, negotiate this until we get that very last skerrick of benefit for Australian workers and for Australian farmers. 
And in tennis, Elena Svitolina has reached the Wimbledon women's semi-finals in a stunning defeat over world number one Ingus Vitek. The Ukrainian entered the tournament as a wild card, only giving birth to her daughter nine months ago. This didn't stop Svitolina from winning in under three hours in Tuesday's quarterfinal. I'm happy that I can bring little happiness to their life. Uh, it was many videos also on the internet where the kids uh, are watching on their phones. Uh, and, uh, you know, this really uh, makes my heart melt uh, seeing this and, you know, just happy I could bring little happiness to, to people of Ukraine. And now for a look at today's weather. Perth showers 21, Adelaide sunny 17, Melbourne partly cloudy 17, Aubrey-Wodonga mostly cloudy 14, Hobart partly cloudy 17, Canberra partly cloudy 14, Wollongong mostly sunny 20, Sydney mostly sunny 19, Newcastle similar conditions 20, Brisbane partly cloudy 22, Townsville partly cloudy 26, Cairns a shower or two 28, Alice Springs sunny 19, Darwin sunny 33 and the Torres Strait Islands partly cloudy 28. And that is NITV Radio News. NITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. some of the great podcasts that SBS creates, including ours, you can find them on the SBS Audio app and website. Each year, we also invite podcast ideas from the public to commission new podcasts from diverse Australian voices. Do you have a story to tell? If you have an idea for a podcast series that would feel at home on SBS, we want to hear from you. Submit your pitch via our website until July 31. For more information, please visit sbs.com.au slash podcast page. Welcome back to NITV Radio. I'm your host, Luana Grant, and that was Christine Arnoux with her 1994 track, Party. Still to come on the program, a conversation with Jazz Money, a Wiradjuri poet and artist whose creative and cultural practice encompasses installation, performance film and text-based works. Jazz Money's work is featured in the 2023 Yalingwa exhibition Between Waves. And NITV Radio's Birchant Tungandami chats to Isaiah Firebrace, whose book has been nominated for a Kajia Award. But first, Christine Arnu is one of Australia's veteran musical icons. She performed at the 2000 Olympic Games at Uluru for NITV's 10th birthday and hosts weekend evenings on ABC Radio. Christine sits down with Living Black to talk about her remarkable journey to stardom and how she's mentoring the next generation. Why does a song like My Island Home resonate for so many people um, after so long, right? Warumpi Band were already um, setting the tone for, for Blackfella bands and, and songs in people's hearts long before I even came across My Island Home, let alone the Warumpi Band. The band was being loved, the songs were embraced, and 
My Island Home is just one of those songs that people connected to the story of it. That sense of place. I come from the saltwater people. It places you. The visual is so strong. It's powerful. It's, it's a sense of I belong to that, not that belongs to me. But there's that real beauty in saying, that's my mob. I come from that place. That place is, it doesn't belong to me. I belong to that place. And it really resonates with people because it's, it's powerful. It's powerful words of connection. It's powerful words of family. It's powerful visuals of what that place gives me, gives my spirit. You know, that, that's why I think it resonates. And it's not just here in Australia. People sing that song, hear that song all over the world when I, when, I go, when I sing it as part of my repertoire. Japan, Africa, you know, to name a number of places, but uh, they love it. The other exposure for that song was um, when it was extended for the closing ceremony of the Olympic Games back in 2000 in Sydney. Gave it a whole other life because there was a whole fresh verse that was written for it. My home is Australia. We are a land bound by sea. And though I may travel far across the ocean, it will never forget me. Those words just touch me so much, sorry. Stolen Up was uh, released in 1995 uh, with one of my faves on their party. Why don't you come join my party? Let's move it till the break of dawn. I gotta hear that music ringing, bring it on. Originally called Telephone because the phenomenon of the mobile phone, which was originally a brick with a big antenna, couldn't miss it. But it just didn't have the same ring, so... The sentiment of party was really about writing about the community, the community that had taken me and embraced me and made me uh, feel supported and loved. Um, that fan base was very, very strong in the beginning and I think party is a homage to that feeling of, of community support and embracing you. And just the imagery for me in party is all about red fern because that was my that was my hang red fern, the fern was the block is you know was where i would walk past to go to naser every day for 5 years um and it was a song about giving back to um you know the red fern community but the whole community of sydney um for that massive support over over the years why do i think it resonates because everybody loves a good song about a party right <laughs> Let's party like it's 1999. I, I don't. It's not that I deliberately wrote a song because I wanted to have the word party in it, but I guess I just wanted to write a song that started out with stepping out in my deadly red shoes, styling up because I'm wearing something new. Titter girl has got her eyes up off the ground, keeping time to the rhythm of the city sounds. This is about women empowering themselves and not being shamed to, and proud. Just go out there and own it. Be you. Hey, happy people, it's Christine here again on this Saturday, the 12th of March. Was it a natural move to go from dance to music to film, radio presenting, all the rest of that? I think so. I think as we evolve and, and grow older and uh, learn more about ourselves and our abilities to connect with people and tell that story, it goes right back to the 
to the seed of it all. The seed is that in doing what I do, I'm a storyteller. I'm telling stories with my body through movement. I'm telling stories through my music. I'm telling stories by becoming other women and embracing what their backstory is and doing my best to convince you that that's, that, that story is a real story, whether it's on stage or on TV. Presenting, I love that. I love being around that space where children can be inspired the same way I was when I was a child. And radio has just sharpened that tool of being able to connect with people through words, through emotion, um, through telling a story that they can resonate with, even if it's not the same experience for them. Hey, happy people. It's me again. Welcome back to another Saturday night. I think it's really important that people who have a profile like myself lend your name to, to causes, people needing help to get the message, the mission message behind these wonderful charities out to the wider public. Christine Arnu knows all too well about the harsh reality of poor eye health in First Nations peoples. There are new campaigns. People are learning about them because experience changes are happening in, the, in people's lives every day. I align myself with people, um, with these organisations, because it, they're important to me. In some way or another, it has affected me in my life and I want to give back. So it's important to lend my name to it. Uh, what's Christine doing these days? Oh, she's working with Kathy Freeman or she's working with the Fred Hollows Foundation. Wonderful um, people to work with um, and be aligned with, absolutely. And I think we should all do that if your profile can, can give a hand. How does it feel to finally have a, 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 you know, a daughter, a child who is old enough to be um, on stage with me? This has been a long time coming. I've been a career mum as long as they've been alive. My son went towards sports more than, you know, he loves his music, but it's just, it's not his thing, you know. But my daughter just was born with this, I always say, a certain amount of confidence that I wish I was injected in at an early age, uh, that sort of knowing who they are from the onset. So, and it's not just what's what we do on stage, and it's not just the singing. I mean, and, and it's a two-way thing. You know, she's got stuff that she's learnt that she knows that she shares with me. So, it's a it's an absolute two-way street of sharing. And I want to do it with somebody who's in the younger generation who can share their insight into what it's like, because no one was there for me mentoring me through um, like that. So, I think learning needs to be a two-way thing mentoring needs to have that ability to say, okay, yes, you're right, I'm, I, I, never, I never looked at it like that from your perspective. So it's, um, it's, I guess it's been, an long, it's been a long time coming, so I'm, I enjoy it as much as she does. And now, live via satellite <laughs> for the very first time. So NITV was launched at the Powerhouse Museum. Uh, it was being uh, put together by... Um, the late Gavin Jones and um, it was a wonderful launch uh, I remember it was 
it was big. I mean, we can, blackfellas are going to get it there on TV station. Um, and then coming out for the free-to-air launch was, was just, I feel like I've, my story has been from the outset, very connected with NITV from, from, from the beginning. Um, I feel very much a part of the NITV family. And to be back again after 2012 uh, for this 10-year anniversary is just... It's mind-boggling because I can't believe 10 years has already gone by. Like, has it really been 10 years? Now it's time to celebrate with stories and songs. And going strong, going strong, and and the, the next gen coming through and meeting everybody that's come into the NITV media space, bringing young people through as part of, as an important part of sharing and connecting everybody. Um, teaching and growing Blackfell away, you know, um, that that feels very special to watch and to have been a part of that that growth from the beginning till now. Auntie Sapora, it's so lovely to meet you. It's so great to have you here at Uluru. Have you been to Uluru before? No, this is my first time. Your first time, and how incredible seeing your daughter and your granddaughter on stage. I was so excited. <laughs> Oh, Chrissy, this is. You got up and danced, Mum. I saw you. You nearly leapt out of your wheelchair. <laughs> this time it's really special because I've brought my mum with me, my partner, my sister, who uh, helps me look after, or who I help to look after mum, and of course my daughter, who'll be on stage singing with me as well. Our home is Australia. How do I feel about being known as a national icon? Uh, I was going to say not deserving, but that's not that's not how I feel because that's a little bit negative. And it's, I think, you know, I feel that it gives you a responsibility, I guess, of like, am, you know, am I that? Am I an older person now? I guess I am. I, I keep calling myself an old girl. I think that I wonder if I do the title any justice. That's all. And because there are just so many things that in my mind are iconic. You know, you've got the Sydney Opera House, the Harbour Bridge. There are iconic things. And I think I'm just someone's mum and I sing a song that everybody loves. Maybe this song is what's iconic more than me as the person. My island home, my island home, my island home. And that was the incomparable Christine Arnu. That was NITV's flagship program, Living Black. You can watch the full episode of this Living Black program on SBS On Demand and every Monday on NITV. Still to come, a conversation with Jazz Money featuring in the Yalingwa exhibition, Between Waves. And coming up after the break, NITV Radio's Bertrand Tungandami chats to Isaiah Firebrace, whose book has been nominated for the Karajia Award. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Now to a story by NITV Radio's Bertrand Tungandami, who caught up with musician Isaiah Firebrace, who has written a children's book that has been nominated for the Karajia Awards. Bertrand has more. 
I'm joined by Isaiah Firebrace as his inaugural children's book come together. Things every Aussie kid should know about the First Peoples has been shortlisted for the prestigious Cardia Awards. This accolade celebrates excellence in children's literature by Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander authors or illustrators who honour connection to country and tell stories exploring land, community, culture and language. Isaiah, hello and thanks for joining us on NITV Radio. Hello, thank you for having me. Isaiah, how does it feel having your book shortlisted, especially considering there are more than 120 books nominated and your book is one of only a handful to have made it for consideration? I don't even know that like that many books were being chosen from. <laughs> like, yeah. That's really cool <laughs> that you just said that. No, it's great. I feel really, really honoured. And um, it's a, something that I'm super proud of because it's a book that really means a lot to me. And I've just wanted this book to just be as successful as it can be, but also create as much change and awareness as well. And I think it's doing that. And it's really awesome. Like, I'm really proud of it. The Karajia Award is prestigious and uh, previously has acknowledged heavyweights like Adam Goods, who actually is also featured in the award this year, but this time around. He's not uh, in the Karajia Awards as an author, but he'll be there as one of the judges. And now, going back to your book, it's not a book just for Aboriginal kids. It's a book, you say, about things every Aussie kid should know, as the title indicates. Yes, that's right. Um, It's definitely aimed at everybody, yeah, even adults as well. Even adults can pick this book up and learn something new i think that's probably been the most amazing part about this book is having it not only you know be dedicated to children but it's also helping a lot of adults out there so it's incredible i'm really excited that it's nominated and you know like you said the the award has been awarded to so many different people in the past and and lots of great people like adam goods like you just said so it's amazing. Like, it's just a dream come true. And it's been said that this book actually stems from your petition to the government, a petition you actually delivered uh, to the government seeking truth-telling in the education system. Yes, exactly. Um, my petition, my Change.org petition, definitely was a really big motivator behind the idea of the book, why I wanted to do the book. In the last few years, I've been advocating a lot for the education system and you know to have that inclusion in in schools and that's what my change.org petition was all about and it just naturally flowed into the idea for for the book and it and it all complemented each other like the petition complements the book the book complements the petition and it all fits into what i'm really trying to do with my my career and my platform and um it's really cool i think that change.org petition was a really big game changer for my, for myself. It was the first time I used my voice for something for change, you know, and, and really speaking up about issues that I believe in. So it was definitely a um, defining moment, yeah, creating that petition and taking it to Parliament. And yeah, it's been great. It's really taught me to continue to use my voice and, and don't be afraid to speak up. Yeah. 
no, it was quite surprising to see you come up and uh, deliver the petition to parliamentarians. And uh, now you release a book uh, following up on uh, that petition, and the book has gained a lot of traction. The message has gained traction. Have you noticed any changes? I know change takes time, but uh, what changes have you noticed uh, ever since uh, you came out and spoke up? Well, I mean, I'm not saying that my petition is the reason why I see a lot of things now uh, in society changing, but I think my petition, when I, when I went to Parliament House, it was kind of at the very start of... I think of a lot of societal changes, just coincidentally. Now I feel like I, I can walk down the street or go into my, one of my favorite shops and I will see something that represents First Nations culture and people. I think a petition came at a really right time um, because now I feel like society is definitely shifting and I can see a lot of different in- industries embracing First Nations culture, which is great. I also know that the Labor government has made a $14 million funding towards teaching First Nations culture and language in 60 different schools. They're going to um, test it for a year and see how it goes and, yeah. and then um, roll it out over, over two years. So that's, that's a big change that came from that, from my petition, was the Labor government, yeah, promising um, $14 million towards First Nations culture and history and... Yeah, so that was a great a great result. Yeah, I just think society now is just very different. It's you know, society today is all about diversity and celebrating your uniqueness and celebrating color and culture and and celebrating the the, the minorities. So I think that's where society is at now. So I think my petition kind of came at the at the right time. It really fits really well, and also with my book, I think it's just kind of like a. The un- thank, thank the universe <laughs> for for giving me these ideas at this point in time because I think it all really works together and yes, change does obviously take time and hopefully in due time we see more things happening in the education system. Yeah, I'm going to still try and use my voice and and create as much change as I can. I think I've done pretty good. <laughs> I think at this point, but I'm I'm going to definitely yeah keep going and strive for more change but I definitely think society is definitely open to to First Nations culture and and for all of us to be on the same page and now Isaiah now that uh, we've got an opportunity to talk to you I can't help but ask you about your work and uh, upcoming gigs anything uh, in the pipeline to expect uh, in coming days weeks or months I've actually signed a contract for, for the next book so it's going to be come together again so it's like a part two of my children's book, which is so cool. So that's coming up. I'm actually in the process of actually writing that. So that's really exciting. Um, I've also got some music and stuff dropping, and um, I'm releasing music, you know, to, all the way up until the end of the year. So that's that's really great as well. I actually performed last night in Sydney Opera House uh, for the opening of the new Midden restaurant. It's called Midden. And it's the very first First Nations restaurant um, in the Sydney Opera House. So it's, it was really cool. So, yeah, I'm doing lots in, in, in the community and, you know, supporting um, First Nations things as much as I can in my work. And, yeah, there's, there's lots to be excited for. I'm, 
any prospect of seeing you in Nam, where I'm calling from, so we can at least come and see you live? <laughs> I well, obviously, I live in Melbourne, so I, I do live down in Nam, Nam country. Um, I don't. I, I've been talking a little bit about some shows coming up, but it's very difficult at the moment. Yeah. I think for Aussie artists. There's a lot of international people coming out at the moment, yeah. and um, yeah, you just got to kind of pick your right time and 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 try to yeah make it the best it can be. Um, but in the future, yeah, I really want to do a show. I haven't done a show in in a little while, actually, like an, a show, an actual ticketed show. <laughs> yeah. um, it's been a little while, but um, I've got some things coming up in like a couple of months. And um, I'll be performing. I'm actually performing at the Melbourne show this year as well. So there's few, there's a few things coming up, but um, it's good to know that people are asking <laughs> about yeah, an actual show. We'd be on the lookout because I just wouldn't want to miss one of your live performances, especially if it's just uh, close to home. Now, Isaiah, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and thanks for joining us on NITV Radio today. And I hope you pick up one of those accolades because your book is just a fantastic read. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the chat, and um, yeah, I appreciate your time as well. Thank you. Welcome back. I'm Luana Grant, and you're listening to NITV Radio. Next up, an interview with Jazz Money, a Wiradjuri poet and artist, whose work is featured in the 2023 Yalingwa exhibition Between Waves, a new exhibition featuring 10 commissions by emerging and established First Nations artists. The exhibition is running from the 1st of July and wraps up on the 3rd of September at the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art in Nam. Jazz Money is a Wiradjuri poet and artist whose creative and cultural practice encompasses installation, performance, film and text-based works. Jazz Money will feature in the 2023 Yalingwa exhibition Between Waves and will combine the two strands of their practice, poetry and film, to present an immersive three-channel video project for the exhibition. I was lucky enough to chat with Jazz Money about their work and their involvement in the exhibition. So welcome to NITV Radio and thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. So you're a Wiradjuri storyteller, um, a poet, an artist, and produce work encompassing installation, performance, film, and text-based works. Can you tell us a bit about your work and where you draw your inspiration from? My work kind of comes from, is inspired by my life um, and what it is to sort of operate in the world. But I guess I'm really interested in how story and narrative create the world and how the stories that we tell become a part of who we are um, but they're also political tools right we we understand so intimately as black fellows the way that stories are told to legitimize or delegitimize things about our existence um, things about the colony's existence so I guess all of that plays together um, and like you said I make work that sort of spans a range of different mediums but really it's driven by thinking deeply about something researching deeply and then considering how it can be realized sometimes that's through writing sometimes that's through an installation but for me it always seems to kind of come back to poetry and words and and yeah and, and the power of these words 
And you'll be featuring in the 2023 Yalingwa exhibition, uh, Between Waves, which features commissions by emerging and established First Nations artists. Can you tell us more about this? Yeah, so Jessica Clark, the curator, um, was first in touch about a year ago and we've been working together over that time to create a work that um, speaks to the concepts of the show, thinking a lot about uh, time and technology and silences has been a big part of that conversation. And so I've made a work that is a three-channel video work um, that is a composite of uh, lots of different lines of poetry that sort of move in a randomised way in the space to create a different text. Uh, every time, every every 15 seconds or so, um, which is sort of tied in with different imagery and footage as well. So it's been it's been a really fun process. It was a work that um, I felt like a solution to some problems that I have as a poet, which mm. is you know I often write lines that then never end up anywhere, and this was an opportunity to put all those lines in a place, and um, it became sort of a vessel for thinking about what to do with all these lost lines and how actually when you randomise them or hand them back over to chance, they can create really meaningful pairings with one another. Um, so, that's, yeah, that's, that's a bit about the work. And uh, you also have a major feature film called Wanangana, commissioned by National Film and Sound Archive, and will premiere at the British Film Institute in London before touring uh, nationally and internationally. And can you tell us more about that process and a little bit more about the project and the film? Yeah, so Wanangana has been um, a project that I've been working on for a couple of years with the National Film and Sound Archive. It's the first time that the archive has worked with an artist, they commissioned um, me to respond to the, the archive, which was a really daunting task. You know, it's it's a huge, huge thing, and um, I got into it by thinking, you know, what are these archives? How how do they function? How how can we access them? What is held within them? And that was a lot of questions that I I really struggled to find the answers to. Um, which was what informed the work. The work is very much about archival inheritances and how, as blackfellas, um, these archives have often been used as tools against us. Audiovisual collections um, have been created, you know, so often without the consent of our mob. Um, but I was curious to see if there's ways to rewrite that story, to recontextualise and reclaim a lot of what is held in those collections because, you know, our our kin and so many people's families are, are held in these collections and those people are dignified, proud, important people and they're not just reduced to these sort of images that a white person gazed upon. Um, so that's a lot of what the story is about, but it's also about contemporary Indigenous filmmaking um, and trying to celebrate our voices in these collections and prioritise our voices in these collections so it's yeah like you said a feature length um made entirely of archival footage and sort of strung together with poetry and an amazing original score by ryan clapham dobby uh which has just you know brought so much power to the work as well so it's, it's really exciting and yeah it'll be premiering in london in october and then doing a national tour 
Wanangana is a Wiradjuri word. How did you come to picking the title and do you use a lot of language in your other works as well? Um, I work, I use, I use Wiradjuri language wherever it <laughs> is a part of my life and I'm a language learner, you know, I'm not fluent, um, but as I learn language, I incorporate it into, into my life and the title when Nangana has always been attached to the work. Um, it just kind of was instant. It, it's a work that's hard to translate into English. It's a word, sorry, that's hard to translate into English, but it means something along the lines of to see and to think and to know. And it's about, to me, it speaks to embodied knowledges. And that is so much of what this work is about. It's about prioritising embodied knowledges, not um, academic <laughs> knowledges. Mm. Um, but I, my first book um, called How to Make a Basket worked with a lot of Wiradjuri as well. It was sort of um, dipped in and out of English and Wiradjuri. So I think it's really important to see our languages sitting um, with equal or more prominence against English. Uh, and and just making them an everyday part of life. Well, thank you so much for your time and taking the time to chat to NITV today. Thanks so much for having me. NITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. And that was Jazz Money, and you can catch the 2023 Yalingwa exhibition Between Waves at the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art in Nam. And the exhibition is free and runs up until the 3rd of September. And that's all we have time for on today's program. You can listen back to the show anytime online or catch any of the stories on our website at sbs.com.au. You can also find us on Facebook. NITV Radio will be back on Friday, 1 till 2pm, with more stories from right across the country. We end today's show with a track by Misha with her cover of Neon Moon. I'm your host, Luana Grant, Mandangor. Thank you for listening.